Hello, good evening. What is up, everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you're now listening to or watching the Powercast. And today we are going to be recapping Power Book Three: Raising Canaan, Season Three, Episode Seven. And the title of the episode is uh, "Where Where All Are Guilty." And I'm joined by Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. How are you doing today, Richard? Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? What's up, indeed? And I am also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie. How are you, Dana? Hola, everyone. I am very happy to be here. We're going to talk another exciting episode of Things and how things went down with the things. All the things. Yep. All the things. Uh, we're going to be discussing all the things. Um, yeah, so uh, today I am not going to be on camera just because I had my treatment yesterday and I'm still a bit drowsy, so I don't want to be looking high on camera or something. like. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is why I'm not currently on camera. But, We're going to just call you Joe. Oh, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm not that kind of high. Um, although I, I do have those marks on my arm because the nurses, like, sometimes they miss my veins, like, so, and it leaves a bruise. But... But I'm I, I I'm not on the dope like Joe is like Gerald sorry so so yeah uh, please no no comparisons to Gerald but um yeah we are here to recap another episode of Power and uh, this was a, another another really good episode uh, very intense I think and we have a lot of things to to discuss um, about this episode. But before we get to our takeaways, I just want to, um, you know, thank the people out there for leaving all the comments. I'm glad that, uh, you know, there's some people returning. Uh, Inga, 70. Uh, is it, I always forget the year. Is it 71? I don't know. But Inga is back. So shouts to her. Um, and also uh, Jay Venner, 23, I think. Um, you know, shouts to him because he said it's mandatory, uh, mandatory that you, you watch Power. Uh, power cast after power so shouts to that you know comment right there and uh yeah um we encourage you all to chime in leave your thoughts and theories with us drop your comments you know um as you're listening to the show or after uh definitely let us know what you think and all your theories because there's a lot of new theories that are going to come after this episode i'm sure so yeah, please do keep doing that because you guys are as much a part of this show as we are. So definitely join in, in the discussion. Hit the like button also. Subscribe to the channel and also hit the bell icon too. You know, all that good stuff. So yeah, I'm going to uh, jump right into the takeaways. Uh, I'm sure Dana will be back in a moment, but I am going first this week anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and start my takeaways. So first things first, um, I just want to acknowledge that Raquel, she is already miles ahead of what Unique was doing with this business. Like she, she single-handedly showed why Unique was falling behind. Like he was kind of slacking, 
And this was why Ronnie was mad at him because, you know, he wasn't like, he was settling for what he had instead of trying to go beyond that. And you you already see, you know, Raquel just got, she basically just got through the door, you know, with the Chinese people. Um, and already she's like making demands. Like, she's like, oh, what, what other chains do you have? Like, what, what other chains are in this restaurant? Like, do you have like other areas, other restaurants and all that stuff? Like she's finding out, you know, the ins and outs of the business and where she can expand, you know, right away. And um, of course, she was also looking at transportation companies. Um, you know, she was trying to see how she could distribute the the, the products and move it around the city and stuff. Um, so yeah, like the, all of this is kind of showing how you know Unique was kind of slacking a little bit, um, and that's why I guess you know his character kind of met its peak already. Um, now there are a lot of fan uh, uh, fan theories out there suggesting that he might come back and that he's not dead. Um, and the fact that they keep mentioning that his body hasn't been found that kind of plays into those theories a little bit because they keep bringing up the fact that they haven't discovered his body. So I don't know if they're going to do something with that or not. But um, yeah, I, I feel like Raquel is already showing, you know, why she is like. The, the top at the top of the food chain when it comes to you know the drugs business um because yeah she she went straight in there like a, a a boss chick like and started making demands and you know setting up meetings and scoping out the spots and stuff like she showed why she's like you know at the the head of the table you know so yeah uh that was good to see you know it's it's, it's good to see that uh raquel is back making an impact already and um you know uh jukebox has kind of uh informed her of what kanan is doing so now i want to see what she's going to do with this information like you know she now knows that kanan is working with uh with pop and snaps and snap crackle and pop you know so <laughs> so um yeah uh i want to see where that's going to go because at, at some point they're going to butt heads we already know that Kanan has something against his mother. Like, you know, he wants to stand on his own. So this is going to bring in a direct conflict now between Raquel and Kanan and Ronnie, you know? So I want to see how that is going to go, you know, when they finally go head to head. Um, and that leads right into my second takeaway here, because you know, Ronnie is a very intense guy. Um, he knows how to intimidate people. You know, at the start of the episode, he was obviously like intimidating Paul because he threatened to talk, you know, and stuff. So he was intimidating him, making him pee on himself and stuff like, <laughs> you know. Um, and then also there was the scene with Famous where he was like, you know, what, what, why does your mother? Why does your mother like you? What's so good about you? You know stuff like that. Like I, I, that was hilarious, by the way. Like I was laughing when he was asking those questions. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, like he he was he's very uh, imposing and very intimidating. You know, we see with the Pernessa situation as well. You know, he shows up to to where her mother lives, where she's staying. You know, just to let her know that he can get to her if he wants to like and of course you know juliana put it in his head that 
you know, she's got to go because she knows too much now because she saw them uh, kissing or whatever. Uh, that that was also a very funny scene. My ad, like the way <laughs> Giuliano was like kissing on his cheek, and he's he's still like just sitting there, stone faced, like no emotion. Like he's <laughs> like, wow, that that was hilarious. But um, yeah. Uh, but the one thing I did notice about Ronnie is that he respects Kanan. Like he talks to Kanan differently than he talks to everyone else. So he's showing some form of respect for him. And then equally, Kanan is not scared of Ronnie. Like he doesn't talk to him like he's scared of Ronnie. And in two instances in this episode, we see that he kind of steps in to reel back Ronnie a little bit. Like number one is where he was talking to Famous and Kanan kind of steps in and he's like, yeah, F Famous won't do it again. And if he does, I'll, I'll, F him up myself, you know. Um, and then there was also the instance with Jukebox. Because um, Jukebox, you know, she's she's a firecracker. She's not scared of anybody. Um, so she was coming in there, you know, saying whatever she wants to say to Ronnie, like letting him know, like, I ain't scared of you. I know who you are, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, clearly Ronnie, he didn't like that. Um, he didn't overstep out of respect for Kanan. But you can see that he didn't like that. And, you know, Kanan let him know directly that, you know, nothing's going to happen to Jukebox because that's family, you know, like, so um, in those two instances, it's like Kanan stepped in to kind of reel, reel in um, uh, Ronnie. And we haven't really seen that. Like the only other characters I've seen Ronnie show respect for is Snap and Pop, I think snaps and pop, you know? So yeah, um, that was the interesting thing to see, like the fact that Ronnie respects Kanan. And I guess it's because, you know, Kanan is a self-starter, you know, he started his own kind of, uh, you know, movement, you know, with the courier business and stuff. So I think he respects that, mm -hmm. but also, you know, maybe it's something from his childhood as well, you know, that we, don't know about yet that might be revealed like that makes him connect with Kanan in a different way you know um maybe even a, a a deeper way than uh he connected with his brother unique so you know maybe he sees something in Kanan that was also in, in himself when he was younger I don't know but clearly he shows a lot of respect for him just because he talks to him differently than everyone else so that was uh, an interesting observation um, to see. And, and also, you know, just the way uh, Kanan interacted with him, it gives more credit to uh, Richard's prediction last week that Kanan might actually be the one to take out Ronnie, like to kill Ronnie. So it, it kind of, you know, just because just of the fact that Kanan, he showed no fear kind of when he spoke to Ronnie. Like he he's not really scared of him. Like he he'll say how he feels, kind of thing. So that was interesting to see. Um, and my last takeaway, uh, Howard, Howard better be ready, because <laughs> uh, there there was a lot of slacking going on in this episode. So what I'm referring to is of course you know scrappy's mother she came into the precinct 
to talk to uh, Pang, I think his name is. Um, she, she, she wanted to talk to him because he was the detective who dealt with her son's disappearance before, I guess. So she wanted to update him on what Louis was saying. And of course, Howard sees that she came into the precinct and he instantly like jumps up and, you know, tries to uh, interfere and make it so that he is the one to interview Scrappy's mother. And of course, you know, she tells him the new information about Lulu and what he said. And then uh, uh, obviously Howard tells, you know, uh, Raquel about this. And then later on, you know, in the episode, we see that, you know, Marvin tells Lulu he's got to fix it. And then at the end of the episode, Lulu ends up killing Scrappy's mother. Um, very reluctantly, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to do it, but he had to do it, you know, to cover up his mistake. But this was done very sloppily because they did not hide the body. So that she is going to be found, right? And when she is found and reported dead, Pang is going to remember that she came in to update, you know, him on, on Scrappy's case. And he's going to know that he told Howard about this and Howard interviewed her. So it's going to all lead back to Howard now. So he better be ready for this uh, to happen because um, all eyes are going to be on him because I feel like the feds are already kind of suspicious of him. And he may have this new position or, or whatever. Like, I don't know if it's official yet, but he's got uh, the, new, the, new, uh, the new position um, but I don't, I don't think that's going to help him very much. So he better have his excuses ready. Um, there is, uh, I'm, I'm going to let Richard say it because I think he's going to say it. So I, w- I won't say the other thing about Howard because, uh, you know, Richard was the one who texted me. Like when we were texting about the episode, he, he you know, he mentioned something. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Um, but I'm going to let him say it because I think he'll bring it up in his takeaways. But, but yeah, Howard is... Uh, He's moving a little weird right now, so he better be ready because the heat is is catching up to him. Like, and you see in this episode also that uh, uh, Burke's father, you know, he's sniffing around the precincts again. Like, so he has this uneasy feeling that something more was going on with Burke, and then he even goes to to see uh to see Foil, you know, the the girlfriend. So. If they start putting two and two together and start, uh, you know, looking into Howard, things are quickly going to catch up to him. So he needs to be careful how he's moving right now. Um, and I hope he has some some sort of excuse ready for when they find Scrappy's mother. because It's all going to lead back to him. Um, but, yeah, those are my takeaways. And uh, it is now Dana's turn. So when you're ready, Dana, hit us with your takeaways. Hit me with your best shot. Okay, sorry. Um, this is a very interesting episode. It wasn't necessarily about, you know, tying up loose ends. It was more about creating more storylines for the future. And that's kind of what I loved about this. Um, you know, it, it also kind of says that, you know, from the very beginning that this business is not for everyone. Um, some people just can't tolerate, they don't have the stomach for it, or, you know, they end up just dying. And we see that with this episode, especially when it comes to Lulu. 
and his the ghosts that are chasing Lulu. And it kind of book ends at the very end where it says, you know, the ghosts are the things that we tell our kids to make them scared at night when in actuality it's real. And it is something that, you know, really haunts us. And the more you try to push them down, the more they're like, hey, we're here already. So it's just, just going to exacerbate and make things worse. With Lulu's character, this is going to be very interesting. And I don't think, I'm not, don't quote me on this because I'm not sure, sure. I would have to go through all of the power franchise shows. But this could introduce suicide into this storyline when it comes to Lulu. I strongly believe that, yes, it's easier to kill someone in regards to you ran your mouth too much. But the direction that Lulu is going I think if we want to, di to differentiate, say, from the snowfall ending, would be for Lulu to commit suicide. Because the ghosts are out there. They're chasing him. It's too much. When he went and he killed Scrap's mom and the car was driving down, what did we see in the window? Who do we see? We saw Scrap. So that ghost is still there. So not only will you have Scrap as ghost, Scrap's mom is going to be next. And I think anything that he does henceforth, is going to be a ghost. He, in a way, is carrying, also you say, the mention of his father. Remember, the mother's come, come to him, not, I love you, son. What's going on? Look at this bar. Look what you created. It was, I need money. This is all you have? You got this. Where's my money? So he's carrying so much, and he really feels invisible, I feel, right now. And I think that the only way possibly for him is for suicide and it would it would open up the doors to a lot of conversation of suicide in the black community which is not really spoken about at all so i would really appreciate that as opposed to lulu being murdered or i don't know if you know we've seen people on the recovery end of things maybe marvin can figure something out but that also would be interesting for marvin I can save everyone else, but I couldn't save my brother. We see him interact with the guy from the newspaper and how he's basically a hot mess, but he's talking to him. He's making sure the girl's eating. You know, he's kind of, you know, they call him Uncle Marvin all of a sudden. So that was, I can help everyone else, but I couldn't help my brother, who was literally right in front of my face. I told him to man up and go do this business. And it, it's continuing to drive him over the edge. So that would be an interesting dynamic. So that was one of the things that really stood out for me. Also, what is really interesting is uh, Caden's starting to feel himself now. He's, he's, he's getting up there. He's like, I'm, I'm a man, you know. Um, and this is vastly different. I saw this kind of interaction at one, one of the social medias. I think it was on the, the Instagrams where people was like, you know, I miss old Canaan. You're never going to get old Canaan back. This is the complete evolution we're starting to see. And season one of not knowing anything, easily being manipulated, unable to shoot a gun, you know, this is, this is gone. And I think we're starting to be introduced into this, the psychopathic version of Canaan through Ronnie. You know, Ronnie, as you can see, he's very cold-blooded, cold-hearted. He can't feel, he can't attach. That scene on the couch was hilarious because I think one of you two or somebody mentioned it before when you guys was like, oh, he's going to hook up with the, with the cousin now. And it was, I'm sitting here like, how? 
And so we saw how. And it's not a how. It's just not going to happen. It's just, she's like, you know, giving the whole Holly Berry performance. I want to make it feel good. You can make me feel good. And he's just like, the whole time. So, no. Um, wonderful. But um, I think we're starting to see Canaan is going to start adapting or mimic imprint. We're going to see some imprintations of Ronnie within Canaan. And this is how we get to Canaan being able to kill his own son. Oh, you're basically useless. Bang, bang. Um, so that should be very interesting at this point. Um, what also would stood out to me, it also involved with Kanan, that made me really, really happy because again, I want some happiness. I want some happiness for these characters. Same as breaking away from Kanan. And I thank him being back home with his mom. Go to school, go to college, go get a life, go be happy, go move, just go and stay alive. And I think we might be able to get that point because he really is a kid who was in search of someone as that figure. And he was following around Kanan, not because, oh, you could be my dad, but because, you know, he needed someone to guide him. And now with his mother being back home, I wonder how that's going to play out. What was really interesting was the gun. And this is what makes me a little bit cautious was he took the gun found from his house that he had in behind of the thing and he stored it away. And I strongly believe that was the gun that was used to kill that guy whose name I cannot remember, but y'all remember everything, Richard. Freddie. Freddie. So, yeah. Black Freddie Mercury. Yeah. So he, you know, could be implicated with that gun. I hope he's not, and I just again, I hope he's happy and he lives with his mom, and he can just be at peace. And he got his, his emotions out, he got his song out. So, but then again, we look at the song. Is, are they gonna try to use that song against him? I don't know yet. But we do know that the FBI, speaking of police, the FBI is hot on the trail, and everything that we know, you know, take the case of DJ Envy, uh, allegedly. They, they will raid an office. They will raid anything. And they'll already have the information about the time you start deleting videos and files. It no, makes no point. So I think right now we're just at the watching Howard. And I think as long as you're in, your stuff comes up clean, I wonder if it's clean. I wonder who they talk to. And then that goes right back to um, Bert's dad and the girlfriend. I don't think that they throw in scenes without there being a reason behind the scenes. So I think that it's going to start bothering Bert's dad. And I think he's going to start talking and, and looking into Howard and talking to people. Because remember, he's, he's a part of the, of the police department. And, you know, that brotherhood of men, they'll talk to him. I think that even the code of silence is, is more of outsiders. But when it comes to his daughter, I truly believe that they will talk to him because remember, she was a kid. They watched her grow up. So there is that relationship that is there. So again, speaking of ghosts, that is another ghost that's going to start haunting the show, the series, Howard. So there's a lot of things that I think that he might meet his end. Or again, he might be investigated by uh, IA, Internal Affairs. and. He can go to jail. 
I don't want everyone to die. I want, I want, I like jail. Jail is good. Jail is, makes you strong. Put them in there for a lot of crimes and a lot of things. And then that upends a lot of his cases. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, another thing that really stood out to me was kind of the growth of, we touched upon this a little bit earlier with the growth of Marvin. He's continuing to help out and to help people. And we got to see what's going to happen with his journalist. Because I, I don't know. I don't think Jukebox is the last thing on his mind right now. So that's just another thing that this is kind of going under. Um, and speaking of Jukebox, I thought it was really interesting that we kind of see her completely disgusted by the fact of the whole drug world. And she was like, yeah, that guy there, that guy there. We saw that in the previous episode. And she's still carrying that anger. And she's, you know, confronting Kanan, where she's like, you know, I used to wipe your boogers. What are you doing? You're, 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 you know, you're a little kid. You're nothing. Tell me what's really going on. And we see her going back to Raquel. And I think, again, this is all out of love. She's trying to save him. This is not like, oh, I'm going to just tattletale and watch you get in trouble. This is, he's involved in the wrong kinds of people. But I, I wonder if Raquel is going to be like, he has to learn on his own. Or if this is a, I'm going to come and get my baby. When I posed this question to Patina Miller, replace Raquel, she stated that she, no one is going to come between her and her, her son, period. So if that is the case, I wonder how this confrontation between Pops and Snaps, the bank robbers, are going to go. I wonder if they're going to have to start working together situation on I don't think this is gonna be like gun blazing, giving me, give me my baby situation. I think this, she's a strategic person. So why she doesn't show right away what she's gonna do. I think she has a plan. And again, you kind of touched upon that when it came to how quickly she was able to move the business and how kind of, again, we kind of touched upon this earlier. Unique was just complacent. He was comfortable at where he was, which is why I was a strong believer of, I'm okay with him dying because what else are we going to do? Um, he has nothing going on. Ronnie's looking at him like, I'm bored of you. I'm slightly bored. Raquel is like, yeah, I'll deal with you. But she got these things that has to go. I'm taking his place. And you see how quickly she moves. So I truly believe that this episode, you know, we're going to start seeing a lot of things shift and, and go forward. Um, I'm also going back to Jukebox is I thought she was, and this is the thing of being smart, you know, I thought she, you know, fully into this girl group, but you still see her talking to the counselor um, and the military lady. And she's like, well, what can you do for me? Where's this job? She's like, sciences and psychology. She's like, no, where's this job? So you still see she has a backup plan. And we know that that backup plan is what's going to actually be the main plan because we don't know how this singing world is going to be navigated. But she does have a uh, performance. Maybe next um, episode we see they have a performance at the Garden State Mall, which, by the way, I realized that today's generation has no idea what that experience is like to like see performances at the mall where they would come in and they would have like their signed CDs or, you know, yeah. Cassette tape, what is the 90s? So is that still cassette tapes? CDs came out during the 90s or was it cassettes? I don't know. 
Does anyone yeah, know? C- uh, it came out, I think, like, mid-90s CDs came out. Mid-90s? So, yeah. like, CD cassettes? Okay, but cassettes, you were, like, the mall. cassettes were the big thing yeah. still. Yeah. It was still a big thing, so you could still go to the mall. Remember going to the mall. Remember, remember malls, and you would go inside, and you would look at the music, and you could listen to it, and everybody had lice. And you could go and you put the headphones on and just like this the whole time. And you listen to the whole soundtrack. And it would be amazing. And then you can go and buy it. And then they would have events. So they would have like, get the signed copy. And they would have performances. And I realize people do not know what this is like. Because malls don't really exist anymore. Especially not in the city. I don't know about you, Gary, because you're over in the UK. But in here, the experience of the mall does not exist. So... That's just a whole nother thing. And then they was performing for Shanice, um, which I didn't get a chance to Google if Shanice is a real person or not, but she's a real person. So look, she's performing for like a real person. But yeah, that whole experience of the mall. So yay to them recreating that. I hope we get to see the performance because even though by today's standard, oh, that's really corny. This is how a lot of artists was able to hone their talent and to reach larger audiences because people from not just the city but all over would come over to the mall and it was really great business for the mall as well so yay that's kind of all everything that I, I have to say yay malls excellent uh takeaways as always um yeah just to answer your question we we do have malls here actually um but i've, I've never seen a performance at a mall before um, here in the UK, uh, I don't know. Maybe they do them in London, like Central London, which is like the big tourist kind of area. Uh, but I've never seen, you know, performances in malls where where I live. Um, I've seen some people rapping outside the mall, but it, uh, never never performance inside. But um, yeah, uh, and also like I like your takeaway about uh, the gun, uh, famous as gun, him stashing the gun. I do believe that that is going to resurface at some point. Um, so especially since they made it a point for us to see that, like, you know, sometimes when they show us these things, it, it means something. So I do think that gun is going to be significant later on. So, um, yeah, great point there. Uh, but yeah, great takeaways as always, you know, Dana, uh, she always see things, sees things that I don't see. So, uh, that's why, uh, you know, we love her and her takeaways. Um, but now it's time to hear from Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. So when you're ready, Richard, um, hit us with yours. First and foremost, excellent takeaways, as always, by Dana and Gary. Uh, Y'all expanded upon a lot of topics that I was going to touch upon, but there are a few things that I do want to talk about with this episode. So let me start off by saying, once again, another outstanding episode of Razor Canaan. A lot of uh, tension, as Gary mentioned, and I felt that throughout the entirety of the episode. So uh, I got to give them a shout out for that. Let me start off first with uh, my first takeaway, which is about Howard. Now, Gary already touched upon the mistakes that Howard made in this episode. The fact that he interrupted Detective Payne and decided to talk to Scrappy's mom got the information, the intel about Lulu, and then he told Raquel this information. And of course, later in the episode, Lulu took care of business. Now, the mistake that Howard also made, though, 
in this episode is when he spoke to Raquel and he basically told her about what happened with Lulu, she asked him about what's happening with the investigation with the Baisley Projects and Crown Camacho. And he said, oh, they're not looking at anybody. There are no suspects. When we know as a viewer that, yes, they very much are concerned about Marvin. They asked him about Marvin in this episode. He said Marvin is always hungry, He, but he's probably not involved in any of this other stuff. But you see, that right there is the issue because that's the one thing he didn't tell Raquel. He didn't give her a heads up about Marvin being investigated. So I want to see what happens. And I also agree 100% with what Gary said about the fact that the way they kill Scrappy's mom, very sloppy. You leave the body there. And obviously, Detective Pang knows that Howard is the one that wanted to talk to her instead. So the, the thing about the thing about it is that Howard is trying to also get this narcotics job. And now they're at a point where they're doing a background check, a thorough background check on Howard. So all this stuff happening in this episode related to uh, Shannon's father, they're probably going to want to talk to certain people to ask them about Howard's background to get an idea of whether or not he's a good fit for the job. So like Dana said, I do believe that they don't put those scenes in the episode for, for just 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 for just for some coincidence. All this stuff is going to definitely hurt Howard, I think, as he tries to get this position. But I definitely want to see what happens in the next episode, because I'm pretty sure the next time he talks to Raquel, he's going to be very angry about how they handled the whole uh, Scrappy's mom job. The fact that they killed her, left the body there, and then obviously, obviously, obviously she will be found. So. Let's see what happens. But uh, Howard definitely needs to watch his back because uh, he's definitely in a lot of trouble. And I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, my second takeaway of this episode, I want to touch on briefly about Marvin in this episode and the whole interaction he had with Gerald, which I thought was very interesting. Now, let me start off by saying this. We saw that Gerald basically was shooting up. He left his, his daughters outside in, in, in the car out in the cold. And, you know, I thought it was very interesting how they had Marvin basically get, you know, I, I like how he stepped in to try to fix that situation, but I do want to give a warning to everybody. You saw Gerald's arms, all of those uh, needle marks in his arms and the veins. I'm telling you right now, do not be surprised if you see that because I do expect that to happen to Jannard in the upcoming next season of uh, force because we know that Jannard had his whole he tried the needle for the very first time in that show last season so we know that obviously that's probably going to happen again so I'm just telling you give give you guys a warning you know you're probably going to see him go down bad next season but we'll see about that but as for Gerald yeah this guy is a complete mess and it's very tragic how he told the story about how he got hooked on drugs that this was all about the the wife that he had, the fact that she got him on this stuff, and then she disappeared and she's out the picture. That's a very tragic thing to hear, but there are a lot of stories like this that we hear about in the world today, how people get hooked on drugs. So uh, do I have faith that Marvin is going to be able to help him turn things around? Uh, here's the thing. Marvin could be successful, but Marvin still needs to watch his back because this guy is a reporter. He did want to talk to Jukebox about her career, so on and so forth. But at the same time, he's asking Marvin questions about if he knew if he knew any of these other people, these other people that were involved in drugs. And then you saw last week in the episode 
where it was the guy that knew Tony and the fact that Marvin used to mess around with Tony and he approached Marvin to ask him when he was in the park and Marvin denied, said, no, I don't know who you are. I don't know a Tony either. So I'm telling you right now, he still needs to watch his back with Gerald. But Gerald obviously has a lot of issues right now to deal with, with his own situation. So let's see how they progress that storyline. But I do like what Dana said, that it could be a very uh, situation where Howard pretty much he's able to help Gerald, but he's not able to help Lou. And um, I want to see where they go with that. One quick thing I will mention, though, um, the scene where we saw Lou and um, yeah, the scene where we saw Lou well, with Marvin, Marvin, basically, he confronts Lou about the shooting. The beat they were playing that Lou was listening to, that that's that was an ill beat. I just want to say that. That was an ill beat. I hope we get to hear that song uh, in the next couple episodes because I want to see who's performing over that song. But I, I like that beat. That's I got to give him props on that. But uh, we'll see what happens with Lou and Marvin moving forward. But Lou took care of business, took out Scrappy's mom. So uh, he's going to obviously have to deal with a lot of the aftermath of that. So stay tuned for that. And my final takeaway of this episode. This is probably the most important takeaway that I have. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Ronnie and Kane in this episode. I like the fact that Ronnie approached Paul and they roughed him up. They let him know who's in charge, not to talk to the feds. The fact that Famous had the interaction with uh, Ronnie, I know a lot of people are going to be very concerned for Famous after they see that because the whole conversation that Ronnie had with Famous talking about why does your mom care about you so much kind of makes you wonder. If later on, Ronnie is going to try to approach Famous, where he finds where Famous lives and approaches him again. So I want to see where they're going with that. I do believe what was said about the gun is a thousand percent accurate. That will come up again because that is evidence that he killed Freddie. So if that gun is found, that's it for Famous. He's going to jail. Something's going to happen to him. So stay tuned for that. But the thing I want to mention is that Kanan, like Dana said, and like you said, Gary, Kanan grew a lot as a character in this episode. This is the darker side of the character, but the one thing that he was told not to do from Jukebox, don't mess up this thing I got going on with this girl group. Now Kanan is messing around with Aisha and Crystal. And I think it's very interesting how obviously they had the scene where they were at the movie theater. Pretty much, I guess you could say that's pretty much, that's it. He's done with Aisha after they had their little thing. She didn't let him try to take things further. And he, and he said he was very adamant about it. Okay. Well, you can, you can find your way home. That was a very cold thing to say to her. Yeah. Take the subway. You know how to get home. You do that. But then he goes around and messes around, messes, messes, messes around with crystal. And you know that crystal does not like jukebox and vice versa. So this creates a whole bunch of tension, a whole bunch of drama within the group. Obviously there's going to be a, a, some type of uh, aftermath from all of this stuff. So I look forward to seeing where they're going with that. But I just want to say um, the way that they are changing Kanan as a character, this is the Kanan that we are used to seeing on the original power. And it's always going to get a lot more psychotic, a lot more dangerous because he has Ronnie and he's going to see what Ronnie does, so on and so forth. So I want to see where they're going with all of that. But uh, I do think it's very interesting how when Jukebox showed up to the apartment and basically she was telling Kanan, what you know, tell you know, reminded Kanan of who he is, the fact that she is still, you know, his cousin, she still knows all about him and stuff like that. The fact when Ronnie made mention to him and says, I can talk to Jukebox, and then Kanan says, No, 
The only business I have is with you and me. You don't have to ever deal with any of my family. I don't want you to mess with any of my family. But here's the problem. We know that Ronnie doesn't like Raquel. So at some point, he may try to go after Raquel. And I will be very curious to see what Kanan does in that instance, because he was very clear with Ronnie. Don't mess with my family at all. Don't do it. So I want to see where they go with that. So definitely looking forward to that. So, uh, but the final comment that I do want to make, um, my name on today's show is number 37 because that is the special menu item that is not available at all of the restaurants yet, although it probably will be. But I, uh oh, is already expanding the business. Uh, and the fact, and again, this goes once again to the point that Dana raised a couple of weeks ago when she asked, did Unique serve his purpose? You know, could they have done more with the character? And the answer that you get in this episode is no, his time was up because it's so easy how Raquel is already thinking about expanding. Obviously, she's going to run into a little bit of issues because she did have an issue where she saw how they were transporting the items and she went to the office to, to try and find out some more information and the guy turned her down turned her away. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more to come from that particular thing. But I just like how they show you the difference between a character like Raquel and Unique, because she's already thinking miles ahead in terms of how to expand this beyond just one shop. So I want to see where they go with this. But um, overall, I thought this was good, so stay tuned. Awesome. Uh, yeah, there, there was some technical issues right there at the end, but um, but yeah, great takeaways uh, from from Brother Richard uh, as always. And um, I I agree with you with the the beat that Lulu was playing. Like that beat was hard. Like and and one thing I forgot to mention, uh, I think it was uh, two two or three episodes ago when they did the uh, open mic night where Famous performed. Um, now I'm like. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge battle rap fan. Like, I love the battle raps. And I, I forgot to mention, I completely forgot, but um, DNA, who is like a well-respected battle rapper, was actually performing at that club. Um, and um, if you guys know DNA as well, he also used to, uh, he used to do freestyle recaps of power as well on his Instagram. Um, some of them went viral, so you might have seen them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was cool to see that, um, you know, cause 50 actually, 50 actually met DNA. Like they actually met at a battle rap event a while ago. Um, so it was cool to see that they actually added DNA into like as a character in the show. And I would like to see, um, if Lulu does like another club night, if that beat is used and maybe, you know, um, those rappers get to rap on it or something or, or even famous, you know, maybe famous gets to use it or something. But um, yeah, that was a great point uh, there uh, about that the beat. Um, I think Dana had something to say as well, real quick. So go ahead. Dana. I just I just wanted to say really quickly. Did anyone think by any chance that Aisha was gonna get got? Because once he said, you know, just basically go home by yourself, they would follow her home, and then something tragic would happen, and that would lead to the group kind of disbanding, and then Jukebox and Kanan breaking away from each other. No. Just me? Okay. Well, well, we'll say that again, sorry. 
Say that again. I thought that when Aisha realized she had to go home by herself, that's when something bad was going to happen to Aisha. I mean, a drive-by or something, she was going to get murdered. And then that would result in the disbanding of the group, which would then track to Jukebox knowing that, that Aisha was supposed to be with Kamen. And then that's uh, how they break apart. Oh, uh, yeah. I was the only one who thought that. <laughs> well, let, let me, well go, go, go ahead, Gary. You go. I just was going to say, uh, I don't. I would not rule that out later. I mean, the thing is, is that I, I don't really know who Kanan's enemies are quite yet. As they continue to expand the business, I think they will become targets. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 something that definitely can happen later. The whole thing is that the fact that he's messing around with both of the girls in the group, though, that's going to create a lot of issues. And I don't really know which direction they're going to take it. They can go in a lot of different directions with that. But uh, the fact that he's messing around with the one person in that group that, that Jukebox does not like, that's going to be a problem. And uh, let's see what happens. But go go ahead, Gary. You, you're about to say something. Oh, no, I was just going to say... Um... Yeah, I thought something bad was going to happen too after that. Um, but uh, something bad is definitely still going to happen with that girl group because because of, you know, Kanan, he's jumping from one girl to the other. And, um, you know, uh, Aisha was was uh, throwing up in the bathroom. I, I was thinking, oh, is she, is she pregnant or something? But, um, yeah, so, like, so, something bad is going to happen. But I, I do have a question on that. But But carry on for now, and I'll slip in the question after. Uh, I think Dana was going to say something else. Oh, no, I don't know whether or not that pertains to your question, because it was bulimia. At first, I was like, oh, she's pregnant. And then when she made the statement, you know, you're moving too fast, we definitely know that it's not her. But then we saw Crystal like, hi. So I was like, oh, snap. I wonder. Yep. That's, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes, because I did notice that. Yes. And uh, Crystal, to be determined, right? Obviously, she hooked up with Kanan, so, but uh, there's going to definitely be some drama that comes from all of this. So I want to see which direction they take it. Yeah, so so I'll just go ahead and start, uh, you know, with that question that relates to this. So, um, uh, so jukebox, right? So like, she's already. I, I think Dana mentioned it. She's already like, well, she she she's interviewing with the army about her position and everything but she's also part of the group you know butter and everything so it's like you you can't do those two things together you know so it's like do you think jukebox is is already forming her plan b like and if she's forming her plan b does that mean that she's already prepared for the group to fail like does she not believe in herself and the group enough um, that she has to seek out, you know, this other option in the army because those two, like, that's very two, very intense things. Two very intense things, like the army and a girl group. Like, if you're in a girl group like that, who who hopes to, you know, reach stardom and, um, you know, success, like chart success and stuff, like that is an a a twenty four hour thing. Like you have to focus on your routines, your songs, your dance moves. Like it's an everyday thing. You can't do that and do the army. So it's like, 
why is she, you know, at this point, why is she still seeking out that army, you know, recruit? Uh, because if she if she's already in the girl group, you know, so do you think that means she doesn't believe in the group at all? That, you know, she's or she's interviewing the, with the army and stuff. So that's basically the question. Um, I'm going to go to Dana first on that one. What do you think? I don't have an answer for that one. Because here's the part. Remember when Crystal gave that con? Yeah, Crystal, when the, the manager of Call of Pebbles gave the conversation to the group saying, no one is fighting for the lead. Nobody want to be here. Um, and then when you have this episode where they did the photo shoot and they, they gave her the news, it was like, you know, we still had the conversation of fighting for the lead. And Crystal was the one that jumped out. was like, I'm going to be, you know, in front of the group. And she's posing and everything else. And everyone poses on, at the side of her. I didn't see a fight for being the lead. I thought in that moment when they did that photo shoot, you know, they would start like maybe rotating the photos of who's, who looks better as the lead. They didn't do that at all. Instead, they focused right on Crystal just jumped in and was like, hey, boom, 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 with a photo. So therefore, I'm wondering whether or not her heart is fully in this group. Because as you were saying, if that was the case, why would she even be entertaining this conversation? I think that Jukebox is at this moment where so much bad has happened to her. She can prepare for this not working out because so many things in her life so far has not working out. You know, having her mother, that failed tragically. Her girlfriend, that failed tragically. And every kind of friendship just fell tragically, where it's like you prepare, but you hope for the best, but you prepare for the worst. And that fallback plan is going to be that conversation, the military. What can you do for me and give for me right now? So I think that it's at a crossroads where she's like, she can do both. But at the same time, we don't, nobody's really offering anything else at that moment. We, they just booked their first gig, which is really like a, an audition really for, for people to see whether or not they even want that. So they, it's, still on, it's still in limbo. And then as you see when she's having the conversation with the military office, it's still really in limbo. It's like, I don't want to do anything else. Where's this job that has money? What else can you offer me? So I think both stages are really at the limbo. And I think if one pulls the trigger, you know, quicker than the other one, then she'll just jump on that. And while I do believe she wants to be in this group, there's so much that she's had before that was supposed to be promising that never really worked. Remember the audition tape? Remember they did the song together with her and the girl? So we just really have to see what's going to work out with this. And then on top of that, what I thought was really interesting was at the conversation that she had with Kanan. Remember, they were both yelling back and forth at each other, and she was yelling at her for the fact that how she treated Crystal. And she was like, oh, no, maybe she's more your type. And you could see the hurt that Jukebox had, because even though they know he's, he, he's, she's gay and they had that understanding with each other, he kind of threw it at her as like a way of hurting her. And then she went and quickly looked at Rami, and Ronnie's like, I'm, he's in the cereal. Yeah, I'm he pretty sure he understood everything, but he's like, I don't care. So I wonder, 
she's still kind of uncomfortable with the world knowing that because she quickly looked over at Rami. So I wonder if that is gonna come into play again when it comes to this group and this group being successful because we're still in the 90s and being gay. Oh my God, no, it's a thing. Yeah, great, great answer. Um, and, and that could very well be a thing now, you know, now that Kanan's not really uh, rocking with Aisha, you know, is is she going to get close? To, is Jukebox going to get close to Aisha? You know, that that's a possibility. Um, and if that does happen, then, yeah, like you said, the, the stigma was very big in the 90s for, you know, that kind of activity. So, um, yeah, great point there. But uh, Rich, what, what's your thoughts on uh, Jukebox? Like, do you think that she doesn't believe in the group? Like, you know, because she's seeking out the army and everything. And you, you can also respond to what Dana said also about, uh, you know, Aisha. So uh, let me start by saying, this is a great question that you asked. Uh, I do agree with a lot of what Dana said. I, I personally think that um, Jukebox just wanted us to have, uh, you know, a backup plan just in case. I feel like even though we didn't get to see too much of the time she spent with her mom last season, the fact that her mom was not successful in the music business, that probably gave her a pause to always think about having a backup plan. And that's why she has this other thing she wants to pursue. Also, the fact that she did have a sort of friendship with Burke. She did warn Burke that there were people in her in her in, that, that were there that was that was not looking out for her best interests. It, it, you know, and I kind of feel like she does still want to get the experience of. You know, obviously she's pursuing the army stuff now. Eventually, we know she is going to become a cop at some point. But obviously, when she does become a cop, because it's still quite some time before that happens, that's when I think she's going to start to see how corrupt things are behind the scenes as well, more so. Um, and there's going to be certain things we're going to learn about that. But I think to answer your question right now, pretty much, I just feel like she wants to have a backup plan just in case this doesn't work. She only can rely on herself with this particular plan as well. Whereas with this group, there are a lot of things that are not in her control because she's not in charge of the group. She's not the leader of the group, so on and so forth. She can try to do what she can to try to te teach Aisha and get her basically on the same path with everybody else. But ultimately, she's not in control of that group. So she, however, does have control over whether or not she wants to do this army thing. So that's why I think it makes sense for her to have this as a backup plan. But I just think this is what it is for right now. A backup plan. Let's see what happens just in case this doesn't work out and uh, see where things go from here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, it's very, uh, it shows her intelligence. Like, I definitely think she's like maybe the smartest character in the show. Like, the, just the fact that she's, you know, that prepared and that organized. Um, and um, yeah, she, she's also one of the bravest because she showed no fear, you know, going at Ronnie. Um, so she's definitely not scared of him. So yeah, um, Jukebox is, is she's a, a great asset to the show, I think, her character. Um, and she balances out uh, Kanan very well. So um, I'm, I'm very interested to uh, see the dynamic play out uh, between those two. And that, and that actually leads to uh, another part of this question. So 
um, you know, in this episode, we kind of see, you know, the tension between Jukebox and Kanan. Um, you know, uh, prior to this, we saw, you know, Kanan was very happy for Jukebox when she got into the group. He took her out for a meal and everything, you know, treated her. Um, but so their, their, you know, their bond has been very strong previously. But in this episode, we see them kind of butt heads a little bit, like arguing and stuff. Um, and we don't often see that tension. We did see that tension in original power, you know, the, the grown up versions of the characters. So we know that a lot is going to happen, you know, with their bond with their friendship um so i want to ask you guys do you do you see the tension between jukebox and kanan getting much worse um by the end of this season and um, one thing to note is that we saw jukebox talking to raquel telling kanan's business um and i'm sure if he if he knows that that happened he's not going to be happy about that um so yeah, what do you guys think? Do you think that uh, these two, are, the tension between these two is going to get much worse? Uh, what do you think, Rich? Yes, uh, I do believe it is going to get worse. Um, we see this because of how the girl group is right now. The fact that Crystal and Aisha were both girls that Kanan was messing around with, that's going to create some issues. And then, like you mentioned, Gary, the fact that she did tell Raquel what Kanan has been doing. If Kanan ever finds out that she actually told Raquel this, I'm pretty sure he'll be furious. But I do it, I do predict, I do predict there is going to be more attention. And one thing I do want to I do also want to add on is that there is going to be tension, but eventually they will get back to a point where they uh, have some type of respect for each other and understanding. But this will come after something happens to a major character. Like if Marvin gets taken out in the future, I can see them bonding now, trying to get because they're they're all they have as far as family is concerned. So I think that that will happen when an important person in the family gets taken out, they could come together again. But to answer your question, yes, there will be more tension. I would not be surprised by the end of this season if they just straight up stop talking to each other for a while. But uh, we have to see how it all plays out. Oh yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. A death in the family will definitely, you know, bring them back together. But, but Dana, what do you think? Do you think uh, we're going to see this tension get much worse? Yes. Here's my theory. I don't know, but it's just a theory. What if Kanan gets Crystal pregnant? Back then, you could not, you know, be a star and be pregnant. We've seen this multiple times. TLC had a whole thing about this. Pebbles. Um, but anyway, being pregnant, being in the girl group, it's not going to work. As a result, um, Chris, what is it? Aisha has to leave the group, right? Pebbles finds out that the kid father is actually Kanan's and kicks her out the group. Crystal ends up becoming a star. That's how we get that complete ripple, I don't want to deal with you anymore between Kanan and Jukebox. That's one way that this can go. Or another way it could just be where Jukebox sees the path that Kanan is going under in terms of the drugs and working with Snaps and Pops and Ronnie and, and everyone else, and she just wants nothing to do with it. 
and that can definitely continue to cause them to separate. Um, I do see the thing is, is when I look back at the the episode where they were adults, never once was it, yeah, I would have had this career if it wasn't for Kanan. It was never that. Because remember, they're listening to the to the radio, and that's like, yeah, my, you know, they used to call me jukebox. So it wasn't like, and then you know, then your father ruined everything or anything like that. Um, it was nothing like that. It was just more of a casual. This was what happened in my past. So I'm not necessarily leaning towards the pregnancy and the whole thing being broken up that way. I'm just think that it's more of the, oh, you went, you told my mom, I can't trust you, I don't want anything to do with you, kind of treating him like he treated famous situation, and that's how they caught it. But I do think somebody in that group is going to get pregnant. Oh, yeah, that that's definitely a possibility. Um, but before I uh, expand on that, I, I just want to say, I loved when Jukebox said that line in your, in your name where she said you're a scared boy trying to uh, show his mom he's a man. Like, um, that that felt like it. I mean, Kanan kind of, like, shrugged it off, but, like, it seemed like it hit deep, though, because that really accurately explains what he's going through. Like, he's really, like, trying to, you know, show his mother that he, he can be independent and stuff. Um, so, yeah, that was a, that was a good one. From, from jukebox but um the other thing i was gonna say is i i think it would be very interesting if kanan gets one of these girls pregnant uh particularly crystal um and they could actually have some fun with this um now this might be a little bit of a wild card theory that i'm i'm forming here but um we know that sean's mother um, i think i can't remember the name of the mother but uh, they do have, they do reference the mother in the original power. Do you, do you remember the name, Rich? Oh, I think he's looking. Uh, yeah, so chime in when when you uh, get that. But but um, they they reference the name of the mother already, so I, I don't think it aligns with uh, the the groups. It, yeah, Go ahead. yeah, it's uh, Jarita, Jarita, played Jarita. by Miss, oh, yeah. played by Miss Tasha Smith, by Tasha Smith. <laughs> Okay. Yep. That um, doesn't look like neither Crystal nor Aisha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but follow me, follow oh. me here. I I I believe that it's totally possible Kanan has more than one child in the world. Um and this could be something that pops up in Ghost. Maybe like maybe a new character um arrives in the show. Um, and this is, you know, uh, Kanan's son, Kanan's illegitimate son or something. So, you know, they, they could be planting a seed there, you know, possibly if, if the girl does end up pregnant. Um, and who knows if she'll even have it because she could, you know, miscarriage or abort the baby or, you know, something of that nature. But yeah, um, I feel like they could have some fun with it if they do introduce that storyline. But yeah, that's just uh, another theory that popped into my head as Dana was talking. But but yeah, um, anything else to add uh, about you know jukebox and Kanan and that whole thing? Did you have anything else, Dana? I just you know 
I enjoy watching the dynamic of these two characters. I enjoy watching how they're going to fall apart because we genuinely don't know. And that's, again, how good story writing is. There's so many different avenues that this can take that we don't have a definitive answer, at least not right now. Um, but I, I do feel that this is, we're starting to get that turning point of, I don't want to no longer deal with you. So we're going to have to see what happens and, and how they end up falling out. And again, you know, sometimes it just may be a natural progression of things. As we see with Kanan, he's not telling her about his associates. He's not telling her about what's really going on in his life. And I think that as you grow up, you no longer have that communication like you did with that person. So I, I think it, we maybe we could be reading too much into it and it's just a natural progression of things. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, one thing is like with this show, it could go in so many directions. Like they're doing such a great job with the writing. Like it's so layered and like, yeah, it could go, it could go either way, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely fun to speculate this one. But, um, Okay, so let me uh, ask some other questions. So we got those two done. Uh, let me see, what should we ask? Um, okay, so. Man, which one do I want to ask first? These are all. Okay, so. Um, Richard brought up, you know, uh, what I was going to, you know, uh, allude to earlier. You know, um, and, you know, Richard is the one who actually made me aware of this, like, you know, after we saw the episode and we were talking about it and he was like, yeah, um, uh, you know, Howard didn't tell Raquel about Marvin, you know, about the fact that he came up in the investigation. So do you think that Howard purposely didn't tell her because he plans to leverage this information later for himself? Because um, that could be a possibility. He could be trying to play Raquel to save himself. You know, um, he could be doing some scheming. So, do you think that he, you know, withheld this information so that he could leverage it himself later? Um, do you think? So, um, would you? I'll go to you first, Richard. Uh, what do you think about that? That is a great question, something I didn't really think about. Now, if we go back to the title of this episode, where all are guilty, um, yeah, I kind of feel like Howard, you know, I, I mentioned previously that I feel like Howard will continue to do what he, he can to try to protect everybody, but his priority is to protect himself. The fact that he did not tell her this information is it, it, sort of, in a way, it, it, it perfectly correlates to the fact that they killed Scrappy's mom and leave the body there. And then they know that the police are going to investigate this later, obviously. So you, you do the job sloppily. Now Howard's going to have to worry about that because he was the one that started to talk to her and initiated that conversation with her and, and found out about what happened with her and Lou. So um, it's a great question, Gary, about whether or not he would leverage this as uh, information for himself later. I kind of want to see where they go with that because um, even when he had the conversation with the Fed guy in charge, they made it very clear that 
he 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 said, you know, Marvin could be involved. I I have no idea. He didn't outright say Marvin wouldn't do any of this. So that's why I say, um, because they do need a fall guy, right? If Marvin gets arrested at the end of the season, I'll be okay with that. I'm pretty sure fans will be okay with that because the character isn't isn't getting killed. But again, it, they do need a fall guy, so they're going to definitely continue to investigate this. And the fact that uh, Raquel doesn't have a heads up, that's not good. That's not good news for her moving forward because she has so much other stuff to focus on now outside of this. So um, let's see what happens. But uh, that's a good theory to think about. It could be that he did use this to help himself out. I guess we have to wait and see. Yeah, because the reason um, that could be a thing as well is because like Raquel said to him, um, you know, the the reason they killed Scrappy in the first place was because of his mess up. Like he's he's the one who reported to them that Scrappy was snitching when he he wasn't really. Um, and then they killed him for that. So that's his mistake. Um, so, you know, that's also why he was so persistent in trying to, um, you know, speak with Scrappy's mother when she came in, because he knows that that kind of ties back to him. Um, so he's definitely thinking about himself at the moment. Um, and, um, he's, he, he obviously knows that the detectives, they're very, uh, curious about the crown Camacho thing. Like the, the theory isn't sticking. Um, they're not sold on the idea of crown being the, the kingpin. So, you know, now that they're on to Marvin, he could easily, you know, orchestrate it to where Marvin is the full guy, like you said. Um, so maybe, you know, he's keeping that in his back pocket in case he needs it, uh, maybe. But um, Dana, what's your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think that he purposely withheld that information? Yes, because here's the thing. When you look at Howard, in a way, you can kind of almost feel a little bit sympathetic, but he is a terrible person um, just in terms of He's always having to make sure everyone else is in the clear. But then again, he's a terrible person. He started so much mess. He is the reason why Burke is dead. She wasn't wrong. She, as much as we cannot stand Burke, she technically didn't do anything wrong. Besides him just talk too much and it'd be annoying. Um, her gut instincts were right about everything. Uh, and she provided a voice or a listening ear to Jukebox. But Howard, you know, he's in so deep now. And he, in a way, he knows everyone's secrets. But at the same time, everyone knows his secrets as well. He needs some kind of leverage. But I think that the, the bigger question is, even with that leverage, because someone, because, say, Raquel knows so much about him, is that enough? Because as she stated, I will burn this all to the ground. You come after me, I will come after you. I have no problem taking myself down as well. Does Howard have that in him? Is he willing to take himself down to burn down others? And I don't really think he's able to do that. I think he's about self-preservation. And I think he's more about he's becoming scared at this point. And that move to narcotics over in Queens, I think was not all because I want to do narcotics or, hey, I'm really bored at what I'm doing. It's because I have so much mess that I'm dealing with with this department that I have screwed other people over 
people, you know, I'm keeping their stuff and they're keeping my stuff and I'm done dirty and I want nothing to do when it comes to the scrap situation and the FBI, that that's why I'm moving over to narcotics. And he's not smart enough to know they're watching your every move. When they did that little conversation about, hey, as long as you have nothing hidden in your background, they already know his background. That was just to get under his skin. So I strongly believe that yes he's using that as, as leverage but it's not going to do anything at this point because raquel knows so much about him and others know so much about him and yes when you look at the situation when it comes to scraps mom being killed and you know yeah oh it was done sloppily with marvin i expected marvin to kind of like drop the bottle and therefore leave evidence or drop the gun you know what I mean? So much evidence just left there because he was just completely inebriated. Remember with the whole conversation, he doesn't even remember going to Scrap's mom and having. He's like, I did what? What did I do? No way he didn't. So I strongly believe that this can, yes, it'll affect Lulu. I mean, Mar yeah, Lulu, but it will affect Howard so much so that they can put it on him as well. What really happened to Scrap? Oh, well, he told Raquel to kill him, and now the mom's dead. That goes back on Howard. So he's just he's drowning. He needs help. He needs some Jesus. Richard? Uh I just I just want to say uh I did laugh when Lulu was about to do the kill. This guy is still drinking, even though you knock on her door then you're still drinking. It's like, I thought he was going to stumble over and fall over at that point, but uh, no, he kept his composure long enough to do the kill. So I am definitely surprised that he didn't, you know, drop the bottle or something when he pulled off that, that kill. But uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. I did laugh at that scene though. This guy is still drinking when he know he got a, he had a job he got to do. <laughs> yeah. I have to uh, definitely shout out Malcolm Mays because his, his drunk acting <laughs> is impeccable. Like, the way he yeah. slurs and, and acts and stuff when he's drinking. Like. Wait, then. This kind of poses another question. You guys ready? Who was a better drunk, Franklin or Lulu? That, that's a good question because, uh, you know, Franklin mm. killed Lulu in, in Snowfall. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> 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 so that's a good question, um, but yeah. um, no, uh, that that's a hard one. I'd, I'd have to. I need to see Snowfall season six again. But um, I, I well, I can answer that question. Go ahead, Rich. Is is Damson Idris, and I'm surprised that Gary would not show love to his fellow UK native because yes, he did an outstanding job as the character. You know, obviously that last season. I, the only issue, the only complaint that I, I see people have is they don't like how this uh, downward spiral of the drinking only happened in one episode. And that was this is something that they could have built up over a series of episodes. But I still think he did an excellent job as a drunk. You know, in effect, we have to mention the fact that he killed, you know, all the people he killed violently while he was because uh, he was in this this desperate need of money. So I, I have to give the edge to Franklin. That's just my opinion, but I would be curious to know what others think about this who have watched Snowfall, if they, what they think about that comparison. Well, go ahead, Dana. Okay. 
Oh, you want me to go? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, like, yeah, Damson Idris is phenomenal actor. He did a great job playing uh, Drunk Franklin. But like you said, Rich, I think that was my main critique is that we only saw it in that one episode because he starts drinking yep. in, in the final episode. Um, and I would have loved to have seen it happen over the course of the season, maybe. like, um, But, yeah, I mean, maybe... Maybe he did do a better job. I, I, I really need to re- rewatch it. I think he probably I, did a better job. But for me with Lulu, it's because we're seeing it as a progression. Like we're seeing it across multiple episodes. So I think that's why it hits. Um, and I guess because it's fresh in my mind. Um, but yeah, but yeah, that and doesn't take away from what Damson did. He did let, let me just say one quick comment. If Franklin started drinking after his uncle got killed, that would have made more sense because obviously he didn't think that was going to happen to his uncle like that. So that is when they should have started with him with the heavy drinking. And then it could have went on onward to the end of the, to the end to, to finish out the show. But, uh, Hey, he still did a good job. So, but yeah, good show. Great show. Definitely watch it. If you haven't seen it yet. I just, Absolutely. I just gonna say that I think I like the commonality between the two of them because we're not understanding is neither Franklin nor Lulu at this point they're not drinking because they're addicts they're drinking because they need to forget. So I really like how they kind of carry that theme even though they're not related in completely two different shows and staff um, with both of those characters though. It's more of drinking to forget. It's not because I'm an addict and I need it and I'm like this if I don't have it and, you know, give me the barbital to, to make me stop. This is, I, it's kind of just shows, again, going back to what was said in the very beginning with the 50 Cent voiceover that some people are just not cut out for this at all. Even if they may reach what they may think is successful, if you look at Franklin, what did he end up with at the end? Nothing. In a way. And look at Lulu. What did he end up with? He has a nightclub. He has this. But at the, what does he hold on to? Nothing. So it's kind of interesting seeing those two characters. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I love that uh, both the characters started drinking because of, you know, some something they were dealing with, you know. Um, and, you know, with, with Lulu, it was Raquel, you know, this whole season it has been about him trying to get away from Raquel. And the moment she shows up, you know, and, and like, you know, they have their disagreement. That's what sends him over the edge, you know, and gets him drinking again. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving that part of the story and I want to see where that ends. Um, because, yeah, you know, I, I believe, uh, I think somebody else left a comment on uh, last episode and they were saying that um, something to the extent of they could definitely see uh, Raquel killing Lulu or something or, or you know, holding the gun up to Lulu. So, yeah, I don't know if that's where this leads, but, you know, if you follow the story patterns, it's like Raquel is really like, you know, deflating his character. Like she's his character is really like hurting because of her. So I want to see does this end with her killing him? Because if you think about it, she's really disgusted with him right now. The fact that he even opened his mouth and spoke to Scrappy's mother and caused all this 
you know, fuss with uh, Howard and everything. Like, she doesn't like that. I, I can tell she, uh, you know, just the way she was speaking to Marvin about Lulu, like, you know, you got you got you got to handle your brother because he's messing up. You know, um, go ahead, Rich. I I just want to ask a question since you brought this up. Now, as far as Marvin and Raquel are concerned, how do they think this is going to impact Lulu moving forward? Obviously, having to kill Scrappy's mom. Then, as Dana mentioned, with him seeing the ghost of Scrappy as they were leaving. Obviously, he's still going to be dealing with this stuff afterwards. And we already know that he also saw the ghost of D. Wiz, which is why I still think eventually D. Wiz's brother is going to catch up to Lulu. He may not kill him, but he's probably going to threaten him. Something's going to happen with that because obviously they, they they showed that ghost for a reason. But um, I, I just want to ask you both as well as the viewers, what what, what could Marvin – and Raquel possibly think how Lulu was going to feel after he pulled this off. You know, Marvin was like, oh, well, that's that. After he saw that he killed her and then that was it. But they have to think there's going to be some long-term effects that he's going to deal with after this. He's not going to just go back to making music and everything is fine now. I'm, I'm not going to drink or anything like that. There's going to be some type of ripple effect from what he did in this episode. So what do y'all think about that? Yeah, um, I'm just going to answer this quick and then let Dana talk. But um, I, I definitely think, um, and I'm glad you asked that because that I actually had like a question similar to that. So, you know, we, we, we will just go with your question because it's a great question. Um, yeah, um, I, I think uh, he, because he didn't want to, he really didn't want to kill Scrappy's mother. Like you could see it in his face, you know, he had to hit the bottle before he did it. Like he, he didn't want to do that. Um, and this is only going to add to his trauma. It's going to intensify it. Um, you know, it's like adding fuel to a fire. So he, uh, I think now, you know, the, the whole Scrappy thing is gone. It's done with. It's, you know, Scrappy's dead. The mother's dead. It's out It's out the way for now until the body comes back. But um, now the D-Wiz memory is going to start playing on him more. And I think that is going to lead into D-Wiz's brother possibly returning. So, um, and, you know, now that Scrappy's mother's dead, because my original prediction was that she, you know, maybe he confesses D-Wiz's murder to, to her and then she tells, you know, uh, D-Wiz's brother or something. That's what I thought might happen, but obviously that can't happen now. So I think Lulu is going to do some more soul searching and, and I don't know who, if he's going to talk to someone or somehow that is going to get out, get, get out there in, in the, into the atmosphere. And I feel like that's going to be, you know, um, it could possibly be the, the start of his end, you know, the start of his demise, if you will. So yeah, I don't think uh, killing Scrappy's mother solved anything. I think it only intensified what Lulu was already feeling. But, but yeah, Dana, what do you think about about uh, Rich's question? This, this in a way, kind of shows me how self-centered the family is in regards to Raquel and Marvin. Marvin is able, if you look at it, Marvin is, is able to help Joe. Well, wait, what's his name? Is it Joe? It's not Joe. Gerald. 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 Yeah. Okay, so Marvin is able to help Gerald. But if you notice, 
it was because he is trying to get something for himself and his daughter. Remember, he stated, I came down here. Here's my daughter. This is the reason why I really came down here. So it seems like he has this parasocial relationship where it's like, I'll do this for you if you can do something for me. If you really look at the relationship with Raquel and, and Marvin and Lulu, it's I'll do this for you if you, look, if you take care of this for me. Yes, there may be love there, but it's more of like, I need you to do this. Because even after the whole falling out that Marvin and Lulu and everyone had with each other, she was still calling up Marvin to go do jobs. So if she was really, and they both were really in tune and literally just opened their eyes, because he's sitting there like oh, blah, 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 the whole time. It's not like he's, you know, hiding it. With him, just, I don't want this, you know, the ghosts are facing me. So you can see that there is something is wrong with him, but they're so self-involved with themselves and, you know, the money and the business and we got to do this and the cops that they're unable to see, which is why I go with this theory of y'all want breeze and trees and leaves and everyone else and be with to come back fine. But I need this to be an accumulation where Lulu is completely on his own by himself and he kills himself. The only way for this to end is for him to kill himself. And then maybe you can be like, well, you know, we should have paid more attention. And then y'all sitting sad like Burke's dad and the girlfriend. Oh, man, you know, there were so many things. Yeah, I, I just want to say I agree with what you said, Dana. Like father, like son. We know that the father committed suicide as well. So if it goes down that path, I'm totally fine with that. For sure. Because mm -hmm. every look, and if you also add the mother on top of that, it's not like I love you. Where's my money? I need some money. This is all you got? I want some money. And she drove him to suicide. The family is driving Lulu to suicide. It's wonderful, poetic. Nah, kill himself. Yes. Yeah, that would that would definitely be uh be sad, but but you know, with how the character's going, you could definitely see that as a possibility, you know, him killing himself. Um, but yeah, uh, great thoughts on that. Um, so, I mean, okay. We went through a lot of the questions already. Okay, so one last question and then we'll get to final thoughts. Um, so Ronnie, uh, who has been, you know, a, a fantastic antagonist in this season, um, I'm loving the job that he's doing you know the actor um and yeah you know in this episode he continues to be the socially awkward you know intense bad guy that we know him to be um and of course you know we we, we we've already discussed it there was that awkward scene with juliana and and ronnie on the couch um and yeah panessa came in um, she came home to grab some stuff and she saw what was going on. And um, she's already kind of side-eyeing Ronnie. Like, um, of course, you know, when she spoke to Raquel, Raquel suggested that maybe Ronnie had something to do with Unique's disappearance. And then in the last episode, we see that, uh, you know, Ronnie was was getting some of Unique's chains and stuff. Like, and, and she didn't want him to take his stuff. And, and he pushed her over. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of animosity there 
already and I'm, I'm pretty sure she suspects him now of being involved in Unique's disappearance. Um, so we saw that Juliana, you know, she's very manipulative now. Um, <laughs> she's, she's getting into Ronnie's head a little bit. She told him that, you know, people can't know about us. So she's kind of implying to him that, you know, they need to get rid of Panessa now. And we see that, that Ronnie shows up at her mother's house where she's staying, you know, and, and basically lets her know, like, I, I don't want anything to happen to you. And he's not saying that purely out of concern for her. He's saying that because he's threatening her, basically, like is his indirect way of threatening her. Um, so I want to ask you guys, do you think Ronnie will get rid of Panessa eventually? Like, do you think he's going to do it? So uh, what do you think about that, Dana? I don't know. Um, the fact that he kicked her out of her own house was hilarious. <laughs> but that's just to show how genuinely afraid people are of him. He's worse than Debo. Um, but um, I don't, here's the thing, because of Juliana, I believe so. It's so weird, Ronnie having, he's not necessarily taking orders, he's just listening to, but because I believe he is such a strategic guy, there is some truth to what Juliana is saying, and that's why he's giving in to her. Not necessarily, like, he's, you know, listening to her and actually doing what she says. Um, the whole unique situation, I don't think he intended to kill his brother. I think it was just a situation ship, and it was like, oh, well, that's that's unfortunate. And then go on with the rest of my life. Let me now replace him. Um, but what Juliana is saying is technically not wrong. Where is her cousin, by the way? Is he still alive? That's the bigger question, because she stated, I don't want him yeah. to know anything. When did she become like this, I want to be a drug kingpin all of a sudden? That was weird. He he, no he, he is still alive. He's off doing his own thing. He doesn't know <laughs> anything about this, this side deal that she has with uh, Ronnie. It's, it's very weird that she all of a sudden is like, I want to be the, the queen of New York. Um, But... I do think that there is some truth to it, Juliana. It's so wasn't Juliana the one who was scared when when Unique came in in like the first season? Yes. This yep. is why I don't like this. I will have one complaint with this, and I will say I don't like the trajectory of Juliana because it's not making sense. From you know, I'm looking at Unique. Oh, he's gonna kill me. Oh no. Oh, help me, help me, Rock. Two. I'm going to take down everything and Rock is going to go down and I got Ronnie here. Made me feel good. I don't know where this transition, there's nothing in between is coming from. It's it's weird. It feels like it's just thrown in the mix. But okay, if that's what we're going with, we're going to just go with that. Um, so she wants to be, you know, this queen pen of, of people. Um, I do believe that there's some truth to what Juliana is saying. And therefore, that is the reason why Ronnie is executing this out. And I, I do wonder, you know, the situation with Vanessa. But here's the thing. I do strongly believe that even though Unique is dead, there are some things he may not cross. And that being, she is the mother to his child. And 
he, you know, that means that his, his his son will be motherless. So that could be the grace that saves her. So I do not think he's going to go and full out kill her. Maybe Juliana will be getting hot and bothered. You didn't listen to me. And she goes and she kills her herself. But I don't see you need, not you need, um, I don't see Ronnie pulling that trigger. I think we're just in this scared moment. Because remember, he kept saying, I could show you how shook I really am. So he's just in that place of wanting to shock people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, although although Ronnie is annoyed by Panessa, I think there's part of him that probably doesn't want to take her out. Um, he will do it if he needs to, but I, I think, you know, because they do have a child, you know, um, Unique's child is, you know, exists. And that's, you know, he, he's the uncle to that child. So I think he, he wants to spare her, but he will do it if he has to. But I'm, I'm very curious about Ronnie's, uh, you know, situationship with uh, Juliana, because um, I, w I wonder if the brother condones this, you know, <laughs> this uh, entanglement that they're having. Um, and if that will be addressed at any point. But Rich, what, what do you think um, about all of this? First and foremost, let, let me just make this comment. I think it's very ironic. Obviously, Ronnie did not, uh, you know, Juliana was the one that was pushing up on him. He didn't really, you know, wasn't trying to pursue that. But I think it's very ironic how he didn't like how Unique got close to Raquel. But now the person he is working with is trying to get close with him. So I, I kind of think that's very ironic. And I think they're doing that on purpose just to show you the correlation with the two brothers. But to answer your question, Gary, uh, I actually don't think he is going to try to kill. Uh, he's not going to try to kill her. I, I just don't see that happening. What I do think is going to happen is, and this goes to the point that uh, Dana made about Dana made about Juliana. I feel as a viewer, and this is just my opinion. I could be the only one that, that thinks this. I want to see Raquel take her out because Raquel is the one that built up that character from the very beginning of the season. She gave her the empowerment because she was being abused by her husband saying you should take charge. You know, you, you take charge of the situation. And she took out the husband. And then after that, all of a sudden now she thinks she's a big, big, a big, a big time, big timer. She has full control. She's working with her cousin. So she feels like a sense of power and like she is on a power trip. That's why I want Raquel to be the one to take her out eventually. And what I think is going to happen is once Raquel takes her out, that is what's going to force Ronnie's hand because this is his business partner that he's working with. He's going to look at this as, once again, Raquel is trying to take away my business, trying to take away you know everything that I'm doing as a business owner. So that's going to give him the intent to now, okay, now I need to go after Raquel. Now, obviously, something else could happen in between that, but I don't think he's going to try to go after Unique's girl uh, because, again, yeah, they do have their son. They did mention the son's name, Jerome. They do have a son together, so I don't think he's going to interfere in that unless he has to. But what I think is going to happen is Juliana is the target because, again, like she made mention to Ronnie, nobody can know that we're working together. Once Raquel finds out, that she is involved with this situation with Ronnie as well. I think her goal is going to be, okay, I'm going to try to take her out. And that's what will get Ronnie now wanting to try to get some type of revenge. 
But again, we'll have to see what can happen because again, they can play this in many different ways, the way they have written the show. But um, ultimately, I just don't think uh, he's going to go after Unique's girl. I don't see that happening. Not yet. He did scare her, and I like how they emphasize anytime he had when he had that conversation with her outside when she had the groceries. She looks at his head, and she can see he still has the cuts on his face above his eyebrow from when Unique and him got into that fight. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure she knows he has something to do with what happened to Unique. And I would not be surprised if she works with Raquel to try to take him out at a later point in time. But we'll have to see how everything goes from here. But I don't think he's going to try to take her out, at least not yet. He just wanted to scare her and let her know, if I need to get to you, I know exactly where you're at. So don't cause any issues. And you stay over here, and I'm going to stay where I'm at in your house. Because this is still you and Unique's property. But guess what? Now I own it. So. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's a that's a great point, Rich. Um because yeah, um, you know, we know that there's tension between Raquel and Juliana already. So once she does find out, you know, that uh that's who Ronnie is working with and getting his supply from, yeah, she she's probably gonna go right to Juliana. So um that's a that's a great point there. Um but yeah, uh, d- did you have any more thoughts on this, Dana? Before we uh, wrap up, not specifically on the on this one. I do have a a random side question: What happened to the FBI and your photographer? So yeah, I'm just wondering what's going on there because they were so adamant with some bitches. Now it's like <laughs> nothing. Yeah, that is true. Like when when Raquel was out the game, they were snapping away. You know, getting pictures of her at the shop. Now she's back in the game. Like we, we aren't seeing them. So, hey, is, uh, yeah. we, we we I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll probably see them next week taking pictures of Marvin as he goes to check up on Gerald. That that could possibly happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a possibility. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe they're purposely not showing us the. Um, the FBI because they're going to come into play later or something. So it could be that, you know, it could be uh, the writers trying to pull the the wool over our eyes or something. Um, but maybe they're still there in the background. Who knows? Uh, but that that's a good uh, question to ask. Um, and yeah, so let's just get our uh, final thoughts now. Um, uh, uh, Dana, do you have any more since you are you know, you kind of asked that question already. Do you have any other final thoughts to share? Um, I kind of, um, I just think, you know, this again, it asked a lot of questions for, for this episode and that for upcoming episodes. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, snaps and pops, you know, they wasn't present in this episode. Neither was Tony Danza. So we have some more catching up with their characters and to see what was going on there. Um, but this overall, I think that, you know, this was just a really good episode. And I look, hopefully I look forward to the famous living and making it out. That's just one of my, my main things there is I, I hope that he's able to do that. And I wonder what's gonna happen with the song. I don't, I don't know. I know that we had Lulu was listening to it and. So the lady who runs the nightclub, 
she was listening to it and she she understood what was going on. That's what I really like about her. I think she understands everything that's going on, but she just doesn't say anything. She's just an observer and she allows people to come to, to her if they want to talk about it, but she's not getting into anyone's business. And I really like that about this character. And I hope that she and the bar and everything else lives with it. Oh yeah, definitely. She, she, she knows more than she lets on. Absolutely. Um, also she, she kind of gives me like uh hippie vibes a little, like, like she was at Woodstock or something like, yeah, you could tell she was a flower child and she was with everybody and she know everybody's daddy and you know, she was with the band. She definitely was like, I lived with the band for a couple of years. Oh, and then the one real thing that just kind of stuck out to me that was really funny that you won't get, but Gary, Gary won't get, but maybe Richard was, was the fact that um the kids, those little white babies, they're not in school. And that's when they looked at him and was like, well, you know, did you guys do your homework? And she's like, what homework? And he was like, oh, y'all must go to school in the Bronx. I thought that was just <laughs> hilarious. Richard would understand that. That was hilarious. And so I'm wondering, are those kids in school? What's going on with them? But yes. So shout out to the Bronx and no homework. Oh, yeah. That, that There's something very sketchy about Gerald that just isn't adding up like i don't know like I, I don't trust that character like um something's gonna happen with him um but yeah um that that was cool to see though with uh marvin kind of you know coming in to help the children you know look after them cook cook them food and everything and wash up and like you know he was he was being he was being a good father to those children like you know it's like he's learning how to be a good father from them and maybe he'll bring that back to jukebox because last week he was asking jukebox how to be a good father you know so <laughs> it's it's funny that he's kind of indirectly learning through gerald through gerald's neglect uh, so that's interesting you there was one down. weird moment it was weird it crossed for two seconds where i'm like i hope that man does not become a daddy to them kids where it's like, you know, screw this. I'm taking my white babies and I'm leaving. And I'm raising them a better life. <laughs> the, that would be funny to see Marvin become a foster foster father. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that's that's something that could happen. Um, I do believe Marvin's going to get locked up. But, um, yeah, it, it was just interesting to see that, though. Uh, but, yeah. Um, final thoughts, Rich, you got any final thoughts? Yeah, uh, I thought it was a great episode. Um, definitely so many questions that need to be answered and they have me looking forward to the next three, but, uh, yeah, I thought they did a lot of great things with every character in the episode. Um, definitely curious to see what happens with Lulu from, from here on out. Cause, uh, that this death is going to have some consequences on him as well as Howard. So uh, stay tuned for that. But awesome episode. Look, looking forward to seeing what everybody has to say about the show as well in the comment section. And uh, just going to get ready for next week's episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my thoughts on this episode, um, this was one of the episodes where like nothing major and game-changing happens but it was still a thoroughly entertaining episode to watch and i feel like that's because the writers have done 
such a great job of like building up this story um to the point that every scene is important and you know entertaining to watch like i'm i'm literally like hooked i'm glued to to this show like it's definitely one of the best shows in a while i think um even in the power universe like this season is one of the best seasons that we've had in the power universe in in a long time i think so yeah uh major props to Sasha Penn and um you know the whole team involved in in raising Kanan and all of the the actors and the talent um they are doing a great job with this one um so yeah that's what I'll say about that and I can't wait to see the trailer and and I can't wait to see what's going to happen um I'm a little sad that there's only uh three episodes left now but um I'm sure these next three episodes are going to be very important. Uh, usually in episode eight, um, important stuff happens. So I'm expecting something major in episode eight and episode 10. Like, like usually in power, it's episode five, episode eight, and episode 10 that has like major stuff. So I'm expecting, you know, something big to happen in the next episode. Um, so yeah, can't wait. But um, that is going to be it for this episode of PowerCast. I hope everyone has a great week. Stay healthy, leave your comments, and we'll see you next week. Peace out.